Welcome back to The Backmarkers, the F1 podcast for new fans by new fans. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by my technical director, Austin Evans. I'm just going to stick with the tech director role. I don't think I want any part of the um, strategy after watching that race. Maybe you'd be better at it. I don't think so. I might be okay at launching a car 15 feet down a road, but I don't think I yeah. can handle um, the shenanigans that happened today. Quite Jury's still out on whether you could start a car, though, right? Jury's still out. We haven't. That's not been conclusively answered one way or another. No, but I feel much more confident with that than trying to figure out the logistics of that race. Um, yeah. Messy. So we just got done with the 2022 <laughs> uh, French Grand Prix. The is it Pour a Card? Paul Ricard, maybe the last time we ever go and race on that track because there is not a contract for that race to come back next year, and it seems very unlikely. Maybe it might kind of cycle, Why? but um, I think there's a few things. The crowd size, as far as I know, is it's it's not as big of a venue, so I think they had seventy thousand people, whereas a lot of the other venues are getting like hundred thousand plus, two hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. I know it was like in Austin and whatnot. Um, and also, as we saw, the racing isn't exactly amazing. But before we get too far into Beautiful it... Beautiful track, I, though. Uh, yeah, the red, white, and blue stripes do kind of make Again, me proud no to be an American. Stripes. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so I sent Austin a video, uh, the, the F1 uh, Instagram account like posted a reel. I guess it was also a TikTok of like, why do these red and blue stripes exist? They didn't actually answer that question. They just answered what function they have. And the function they have is it slows cars down. Like the, I think it goes red and then blue, whatever. So I say it's the mm-hmm. red stripes first. They slow cars down a bit and then the blue ones slow, slow them the whole way, if that's the way around it goes. Um, that, that answers what they do. It doesn't answer why they did it. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is the function they, 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 they give, but it doesn't explain why they decided to do it in the first place. But. Look, uh, you know, it's, it's a French track. They have the big monkey trophy. They've got the, the stripes. Like, it's, it's very unique. But before we get too far yep. into the specifics, let's go ahead and just do a quick recap of the race. So, surprising no one, Max wins yet again for I don't even know what time it is for this season. But the podium was a little different because it was a double Mercedes podium with Lewis coming P2 and George coming P3. Although, I think the P3 there was maybe a little controversial. Going nah. down the rest of the... Uh, okay, well, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Uh, the rest of the lineup, we had Checo coming in at P4, Carlos Sainz at P5, very sadly. Uh, Alonso coming in really solidly at P6, uh, the McLaren with Norris at P7, Alcon for his home race, P8, Ricardo pulling in some decent points at P9, and Stroll barely making P10, almost running into Seb at the very last corner coming out. Um, man, look... I- there's a lot to talk about, and there's also little, because I feel like so much of this race was messy. It was messy on yeah. mistakes yeah. from the drivers. It was messy on strategy. It just, even the, the actual, the, the broadcast, like points where like audio is cutting and people's mics, like it just, I don't know, I guess it was hot in France or something, but it just, it, it, the whole thing just felt a little bit like a big bunch of shambles, I guess, to me. Yeah, it was a messy race. It was, it was kind of one of those races where it's like nothing's happening and then a lot happens in a really condensed amount of time then nothing happens again for a while yeah Uh, but like this is again why i would say that for me there is no boring races because like i always enjoy it and like even that race which i could imagine some people would call a boring boring race because it was by and large pretty sleepy uh there there was still these incredible moments of action uh, which we'll get to in a little bit more detail, but I wanted to come back to the idea of this being 
maybe the last time at Paul Ricard. Yeah. Would that be the end of the French Grand Prix then, as far as we know? Like, would they? Is there another track that they could go to that would get them a larger audience? Or? So they've only been racing at Paul Ricard for, I believe, four or five years. I think it was 2017, 2018 mm-hmm. was the first race at Paul Ricard. Before they used to race at Magny Corps, but that was, you know, mostly in like the 80s and the 90s. And I think the last time they raced there was a while ago. I actually don't know the status of if that's a track that they can still go to, but there's a real emphasis from Formula One uh, to go to tracks that are bigger, flashier. You know, course, that's yeah. why there's so many street races. In fact, I know Max Verstappen in the uh, interviews a couple days ago was kind of like, hey, can we not just only go to street races? Like, you know, because there's a bunch of historical tracks that are in danger of falling off the calendar. Now, I don't think Paul Ricard is necessarily historical, but having a French Grand Prix certainly is. But Monaco is in danger, as well as Spa, which, of course, is one of, I think, the most iconic F1 tracks, in my opinion, right there below Monaco. All of them are in danger because so many of these tracks are older. The infrastructure, the way to get in, and right. the amount of seats that they can actually sell are so much yep. lower. Whereas on the other side, you've got a Las Vegas or you've got a Saudi Arabia or whatever, which is going to bring in monster piles of money, super glitzy, glamorous. So as a business, Formula One is like, well, you know, these other tracks, maybe we'll just kind of cycle them in every other year or something. But specifically mm. when it comes to this race at Paul Ricard, I would say it's pretty unlikely that we will be coming back here on a regular basis and we might not come back at all. And is this because it's like, it is considered to be one of the sleepier tracks? Yeah. Like at least Monaco does its Monaco's thing, you know? Like I would say Monaco is a more boring track than this one. Sure. But at least it's doing what it's doing. I mean, but ultimately though, I hope that they don't cut all of these kinds of tracks off the calendar because I feel like it starts to lose the heart of the sport a little bit. Yeah, no, I agree. If, I mean, there's nothing wrong with a street race. I think that that's an interesting variety. But when those street races are coming at the expense of historical tracks, which again, I'm not putting Paul Ricard in that. But you think like if we lose Spa in Monaco, and even if they go into like, because a lot of people have been talking about maybe they will go like every other year for some of the other tracks and there'll be a little bit of a revolving okay. thing. Uh, fair enough. But I think specifically Paul Ricard has a lot of issues. And right. this is the first race. I think actually the big one that I was not really expecting. This feels like the first race all year where the cars had a real hard time following. Mm. Generally speaking, we've seen yep. great racing, great action, but it's just so spread out. And obviously it was hot and everyone was kind of... I think the heat that was a problem today. They were saying it was like between 50 and 60 degrees Celsius on track. And Mega. so yeah. tires were really struggling today. So that could have been possible part of what what we were seeing there yeah yeah it was very much one of those races where everyone was kind of not sure on the strategy not sure if it's gonna be a one stop it's gonna be a two stop it was a lot of kind of nursing the tires yep. but yep. we did not see a lot of on track overtaking mind you still better you know you know what we had seen in some previous years but nowhere near the kind of level and quality of racing that we have seen generally speaking through 2022 but the other yep. issues with Paul Ricard are it is a very safe track as we saw there's you know so much runoff there's not a lot of danger and also with it's it's that to Charles Leclerc well okay well I don't know if I want to talk about that one uh, uh, <laughs> mm, mm. Uh, one the funny thing is in F122 video game, which I'm still having just an absolute blast with. I've got my own team, Hurley Motorsport. We're tearing Ooh, it up. Exciting. In the midfield right now. Uh, Poor Ricard is one of my favorite tracks to drive in the game because it is a very comfortable track to drive on. Mm-hmm, Lots mm-hmm. of long straights, big corners. Um, it's a nice, I actually find it 
I, I did just win there. It's, it's a oh, race that I won. It. It's one of the thank you so much. It, it was a really, it was hard fought. Uh, I will say my teammate Oscar Piastri not doing a great job for me, Austin. I'm not going to lie. He's all the way down there at the end, and I'm battling out in the midfield. I've taken him two wins this season. I mean, come wow. on. We're, we're supposed to be down with Williams, and I've taken him two wins. What's Oscar doing? Hurley you know? Motorsport just isn't what it used to be, man. No, <laughs> it's not. It really isn't. Um, let's talk about the biggest thing in this race. Right? Do we have to? Can we maybe save that for later? Okay, okay, fine. Of course Uh, we have to. It was rough. So uh, just to set the context for maybe if you're just watching or you're listening for uh, the highlights, uh, Leclerc started on pole. Now, part of that was because in qualifying, Carlos actually had an engine penalty. Uh, I think he had to take a couple of new engine components, which there was a question of whether he was going to take a 10 place or a full grid penalty. And it ended up being, you know, he was just going to start from the back of the grid. So he was mega fast, right? I think Carlos very comfortably was one of, if not the fastest cars all weekend. But when it came to qualifying, he was going to start at the back. So really, he was just there to help give Charles the toe. And he did. And Charles started P1. And Can I stop you there for a moment? Please do. Please do. Your please. thoughts on that. Just in general, your thoughts on that. On the actual, like, the qualifying and just Carlos the, starting from the back and giving mm-hmm. the toe and everything. The strategy, yeah. It's fair enough. I mean, so the way it works is that uh, Carlos was going to start from the back of the grid no matter what. But by him making it all the way through quality to, to Q3, um, because I think you actually do have to partake. You can't just not show up for qualifying. You at least yeah, have to Yeah, but he didn't around. have to put the work in that he put in. Like, he no. was putting in fastest times. Absolutely. Like, he was his, going hard. His Q2 lap was incredible, right? And yeah. I think... Under normal normal circumstances, Carlos would have had pole, or at least had a very good shot at it. But it, it does make sense from a strategic standpoint because you know you might as well make it to Q three. You might be bumping some of your rivals a little bit farther down the grid, and obviously this is one of those tracks where a toe can be helpful. It wasn't huge, and to be fair, Charles may have had the uh, pole anyway because I think it was a mm-hmm. few tenths margin. But I, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, it was very well executed if you watched the replays. I mean, Carlos timed it perfectly, got out of the way just at the right time. Like it was very very well choreographed but uh it's one of those things where obviously it's always fun when all of the top teams are able to kind of dice for pole and carlos was clearly just there to kind of be a supporting act for ferrari but i, I don't have a problem i think it's it's fair enough if you're gonna start from the back anyway you might as well try to help your team and help your teammate in whatever way you can my feelings are kind of complicated on it really i don't i don't fall one way or another there is an element of it's like, okay, they at least used the best that they could of what they had, right? But I find something so, I find it to be quite strange on a couple of levels. One, it's like, Carlos, your entire job this weekend is to work really, really hard to help Charles. But that's teamwork, right? So like, Mm -hmm. I see that. Uh, But there's just this other part where like, then compared to the other teams, there's just a part of it. It's like, this isn't actually Charles' pace in theory. Like if, 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 if they succeeded in what they were attempting to set out to do, and I agree with you that maybe Charles would have got that with or without the toe, but there is a thing of like, it's not actually his pace at the end of the day. So yeah, is it, does it not give him an unfair advantage over the rest of the team? Of the other team, I'm not saying I I don't think I come down on this one way or another. Interesting. I I, fe- I think I feel pretty com- like um, 
co- uh, conflicted about it. It's it's just like an odd thing to see happening on the track, I think. Yeah, I mean, there are certainly downsides. I mean, obviously, you don't always have to have the penalty to try to give your teammate a toe, right? Like, sometimes no. you'll see, you know, like, they'll go out for a couple of runs and one teammate will lead, the other teammate will lead to try mm-hmm. to kind of help out. Um, but you certainly are right. But there's it's, something about the lap after lap after lap part of it, right? Where, sure, like, sure. You're there happens, just to help. It, Exactly. You are purely, you are going as fast and as hard as you can just to get out of the way. And it's just like watching that happen like multiple times around. I was like, this is weird. But, <laughs> it but is a little weird. They, but this is them doing the best that they could of what they had, right, for that weekend. So. Well, so, Mike, will it make you feel better that all that hard work was well rewarded, richly rewarded, oh. and that Ferrari had an amazing race and their tactics and their strategy were so on point that it just didn't matter in the end, right? let's take a let's take a let's take a pit stop because we're not actually spoken about the main event so let's take a pit stop okay i am gonna prepare we're putting on a different set of tires to normal this time we've not put this set of tires on the car before right (laughs) so it's gonna be a completely different completely different pit stop to what we've done before you ready ready set and go this episode of The Back Markers is brought to you by Trade. When you become a Trade Coffee customer, you'll get the freshest and best-tasting coffee you've ever made at home. And the coffee you'll be drinking will be from the U.S.'s best independent craft roasters, which helps out small businesses a ton too. And this is super cool. Trade's coffee team taste test thousands of coffees to keep 450 different kinds live and ready to ship every day. Everyone has that one coffee that they love, and Trade's going to help you find it. Trade is so confident they're going to match you right the first time that if they don't, you just give them your feedback, and one of their coffee experts will work with you directly to send a brand new bag for free so you know you're going to get looked after. Now, how do they match you? You take this really simple quiz. I took it myself. They ask you a bunch of very simple questions about the kinds of things you like, kind of like taste-wise. It's not a bunch of like coffee jargon. They make it really simple, and then they match you up with some stuff. They send it out. I absolutely love the coffee that I've got from trade and I also now just keep going back and buying some of my favorites trying out some new stuff it's amazing and they can also just keep sending me new ones based on my preferences trade coffee sends you freshly roasted beans from 60 of the, of the country's best roasters small businesses who pay farmers fair prices to sustainably source the greatest beans from around the world and they've delivered over 5 million bags of fresh coffee with more than 750,000 positive reviews right now trade is offering new customers a total of $30 off your first order plus free shipping when you go to drinktrade.com slash backmarkers. That is more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Get started by taking their quiz today at drinktrade.com slash backmarkers and let trade find a coffee that you'll love. One last time, that is drinktrade.com slash backmarkers for $30 off. Our thanks to trade for the support of the show and Relay FM. And time. Okay. Uh, Mike, did you partake in some trade right beforehand? Because I think you need to shave a couple seconds off there, my friend. Okay. All right. Go and give it to me. 145.52. So just a little off. Just a little off, my friend. That's our slowest speed. Well, trade are coming back in a couple of episodes time. So we'll see if I can can shave a couple of seconds off. You need to really kind of make sure you drink plenty of trade beforehand. Although Uh I will say it does show up very fast and that quiz is really nice. But yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I uh, uh, had a nose cone change there on that one. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You got a little, uh, little uh-huh. uh, caught I up. I had to in, stop uh, and go. Yeah. I had to stop and go. I, I got you. Know, you. Just got like you. our friend Carlos. All right. So, <laughs> as you said, what did it do for the race? I mean, honestly. Okay. okay. It's rough, man. Yeah. It's rough. So... There are a bunch of things that happen in the race. Um, so starting out, uh, the 
actual first lap was pretty good. I mean, we saw some pretty good slicing and dicing. Um, so immediately Lewis got by um, Checo, which made a pretty big difference and sort of that kind of helped him to have a fairly straightforward race, you know, P3 and then inevitably P2. Uh, Max was kind of there. He was trying to pressure Charles, but it, it was, it clearly took a lot of life out of his tires. But then mm. out of nowhere, Max comes in for a pit stop and Charles just loses it. Now, yep. I will say, man, were there some politics on the live feed? Because immediately they play the radio message. So Charles kind of basically, he was in the middle of the corner, lost it in a very sort of weird kind of manner. And then they played his radio message. Where not only you got a classic Charles scream, he was but also, so upset. Which, I mean, fair enough. But uh, yeah. it was something about like he was saying his throttle was stuck. And there's a lot of confusion about whether it was the same issue from last race where his throttle pedal was literally sticking down. Or it was mm-hmm. because he couldn't get out of the wall. In hindsight, it does seem like it was just he couldn't get the car out. But it still was very unclear. And, man, seeing the commentators and everyone trying to kind of double speak, like not trying to like talk trash about Ferrari, but also trying to be like, oh, well, maybe that's a weird thing. Also, just a side note, um, can they just stop bringing Nico Rosberg on? Having him I've, from home. He does nothing. Nothing. Like, I don't get it. Like, he, he occasionally has an interesting thing to say. But like he he he's right to the mark of this all of the time, right? Which is like one thing. And then also like I just when they sh- go to his actual video feed and yeah. he's just in this weird dark room with a p- Which, picture behind it, it's very strange. Yeah, it, uh, there's a whole backstory about why he's not allowed on track due to maybe or maybe not being uh, vaccinated or something. But r- regardless, oh the, really? The that Nico would thing, make sense because yeah. it did seem all of a sudden he just wasn't allowed on the track anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the all, it's oh, a, not Nico. a coincidence. The only oh, thing time on. he's been on a broadcast was when he was outside in Monaco. Otherwise, they've not let him in anywhere. So, wow. yeah. Okay. But, uh, well, but regardless, it was weird. And then, like, uh, th- there was, like, some issues in the cool-down room where they were trying to talk. Like, I yeah, say- what was happening? That was weird, right? So, so basically, the, the kind of the, the way it went was the, the, the car, cra- he crashed. We're not sure why, right? Yeah. The drivers weren't sure. The commentators weren't sure why. They were kind of like, we can't work out what's happened here. Did he mess up? Then it seemed like from the radio message, uh, Charles said it was something. You could hear him say the word throttle, but it was very hard because he was very upset. Yeah. Then we hear audio of Charles saying it was his mistake, right? He's talking to Rachel Brooks. Yeah. Uh, he says it was his mistake. I was v- very sad hearing it. It was. It just was a very upsetting thing. And then that feels like cut and dry. But then in the cooldown room, the Red Bull technical director said something about the throttle the same as last week audio cut off yeah that what? was the thing that now got that me that just seems weird so right i think if I, I the way i understand it that i do think it was charles's mistake and that the red bull guy was just hearing the message he had heard from the radio but it was mm. almost like when the actual direct, like formula 1 like like race director like the actual broadcast director heard that <clears throat> pulled the audio out so that there wouldn't be a bunch of like Red Bull, uh, like Ferrari slander or something, which felt like weird censorship. I mean, maybe it was just a tech thing. But that makes it seem worse when so they do weird. that. Because now we're here sitting like, what? Because if he would have said that, I'd be like, oh, he said that, but maybe he hadn't heard what we'd said. But now that they're cutting the audio, I'm like, Hmm. <laughs> so weird. So weird. I mean, look, uh, there's a whole lot of stuff, but I think it just sort of exemplifies that this race was messy from every possible angle. So yep. Charles either bend it, maybe he's covering for, our, for, for Ferrari or whatever. I don't know. I, would be, I mean, I would say it's a bit of all of it. 
because because you've also yeah. got Ferrari strategy in here, which which comes in play in many times in the race, where yeah. you can question why didn't he come in? Why didn't he come in to cover off Max? Well, like, did, was did he have the tire strength at that point in the race? I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, they were obviously offset. It, it, it's tough to say. I think Charles, if he had not made that mistake, was probably in pretty good shape because while Max looked mm. good, he did not look incredible. He did not look no. like he could really, really take Charles on. Like he had a pretty firm grip on that race. Charles so, looked in control. He did. He did until yep. he spun out at a weird spot for a weird reason. I totally can believe it's a mistake. You know, you're you're leading the race. The car is obviously a little slippery the whole time. I mean. It's easy for us, uh, you know, sitting at home watching on TV to think, oh, look, that looks easy. But all it takes is for these guys when they're on knife's edge for an hour, hour and a half at a time, the tiniest little mistake, right? So gust of wind, blah, 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 whatever. So uh, that's one side of it. Charles obviously crashed out, couldn't keep going. But at that point, then the race kind of got a little spicy because everyone's trying to dive in for pit stops. Max had just pitted barely. In fact, I think Max was actually pretty lucky. He barely was able to retain the lead. Uh, I think he was uh, it was close. I think Lewis could have actually taken the lead of that race because the pit at Paul Ricard, another problem with the track, is so slow. Like if you take a pit yep. stop at normal racing distance, you're losing 30 plus seconds, which is just incredibly slow. But then, <laughs> then, uh, <clears throat> Carlos got a little, shall we say, unlucky with the timing of his pit stop. I mean, I don't know if, if you want to walk through it, but it's just like it was a absolute madhouse in the pit lane mm-hmm. the second that everyone tried to mm-hmm. steam in there. I know Mercedes double stack, but Ferrari, man, that was that was rough to watch. Yeah, they missed up. I mean, whatever it was, I'm not sure whether it was uh, anything slow happening in the pit or they were slow trying to get the window for when the lights go green. Yeah. But whatever it was, they messed up big time because... Science nearly took out a Williams and half of the McLaren yeah. uh, mechanics. It was really bad because he actually hit the Williams. I, I don't. I think it was Albon, I but so, yeah. his back wheel hit Albon's nose. Now it's so incredibly dangerous in that space yeah. to be messing around like that, which is why they immediately whacked a five second penalty on him. Well um, deserved, if not more. Yeah. Uh, like because that was just. Te- I mean, that was te- I, again. Whose thought for is it? I mean, it's probably a bit of everybody's, but that was just. That's not a place to be messing around in. I mean, busy pit lanes are always a dangerous space, um, but you could see that sort of Carlos got in, and his pit stop didn't seem horrible, but by the time he was in, there was enough traffic. They kind of held him for a second, and like, just go. And it was literally about the worst possible time for him to go, which is just a major fail on either whoever was watching, whoever pressed the button. It was a major fail on the team. Obviously, you as a driver are just doing whatever. They hit the light, you pull out, you do whatever you can. Like You can't, I mean, you're all the way down the cockpit. You can't see anything. So you as a driver have to trust your team to tell you when it's safe to pull out. And obviously, it was nowhere near the right time. Would you not check the mirror? No, the the mirrors are like this small. It wouldn't help you? I don't think so. Plus, there's all kinds of crew all around your car anyway. I don't think as you as a driver have any sense whatsoever about what it looks like around the pit lane you've got to trust the team press the button turn the light on drop the jack you just got to go and then once you pull out then you can see but you're already committed at that point so i think it's very much down to the team and then we've got carlos who is offset i think he was on mediums when most everyone else was on hards he's Mm -hmm. carrying a five second time penalty and then there's absolute nonsense at the end of the race, there's one point in which Carlos, and mind you, again, we're watching the, the live feed, so it's hard to know exactly no, how you much you could hear in, in the way he's talking, you can hear what was going on, right? Yeah, yeah. 
like he's literally there like you know at one point Carlos is like you know they're trying to like argue about uh, whether or not they should pit and there's only a few laps left and it's like 30 seconds time loss and it's almost everyone's like oh just stay out just stay out and then they're like telling him to pit as he's like passing uh, Checo and he's like no 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 it's just like you imagine the concentration of him just in this incredibly intense scrap and Ferrari's like uh, can you come on into the pits my friend it's like what but then. Yeah. Even after he gets by and everything's fine, they pull him in anyway with, what, like 10 laps to go? Now, I will say, while it did look horrible in the moment, and maybe he lost a place, Ferrari, I do think, were probably right in doing that, even though it seemed like an absolute insane thing, yep. because he was on the mediums. The problem, I, I don't think, was... He wouldn't have lost it. I don't think he would have lost well, it. Well, I don't know if he would have lost it. I don't know if that tire would have held together, right? Because that is way beyond what that oh, no, tire no, no, was no, designed to do. Sorry, I, I think I said that weird. I don't think that the tire would have lasted the whole race yeah 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 i agree that that medium was not going to go all the way it looked rough and mind you like while his pace was decent i don't think the problem was he was going to like fall off the cliff i think the problem was the tire was going to explode and tear his car apart and maybe crash which uh, it's one of those things where in hindsight you know playing safe than sorry you know and he was still able to salvage a reasonable sort of position but imagine how bad that would have looked if Carlos would have crashed out or his tire would have exploded or whatever. Pirelli would have been mad. Ferrari would have looked like idiots. And it's hot, right? That tire was not doing well. So I think while it seemed crazy, I think the commentators were like, what are, they, what are they doing? What are they doing? But in hindsight, I do think that was probably, if not the right decision, at least a defensible one. So I think well, ultimately we can look again and say that Ferrari's overall team strategy is something that is holding them back quite Absolutely. significantly well, right now. What they could have done, if they were really committed to, to pitting him, they could have pit him five laps early or something. And maybe, yep. even though at that point, it's still there was probably enough of a gap, it wouldn't have made a difference. It just felt there was like so much indecisiveness. And Carlos is out there driving super hard on medium tires that should be mm-hmm. completely falling apart, passing Checo on hards. It's just, it just felt messy. It just felt so, yep. so messy. And it wasn't, while it's easy to bag on Ferrari, it's easy to really focus on Carlos, who should, in a lot of ways, have had a better race, or at least could have had a much better race. But then you've got yourself up there, uh, your boy George, I don't know what he was thinking on some of those moves on. Uh, hey, like, look, George George knows his own set. He knows all the rules, man. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what was He's going on. He's in the cockpit flipping through. Like, Article 4A actually says that I was far enough ahead that I get to do whatever. The thing is... This is one of the things that I don't feel like I understand it enough. He seemed very set on this new rule. I'm not saying he's right. I'm just yeah. saying George was like, oh, I love. But ultimately, what I loved is Toto having to come on the radio and be like, buddy, you got to calm down now yes. and just get the race done. Yeah. Now, I mean, it would appear that this is just one of those things where they both thought they were right. They both blame each other. It, I mean, it didn't seem like it was being investigated, at least not by the time that the race was over. Yeah. It was just one of those things where like, everyone was mad, and I've never heard George that angry. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm not saying he was right, but I'm saying George really believed he was right. And it felt like in a way, which is, you know, normally you hear like, oh, he pushed me off the track. Like, everyone says that. But no, he was like, wouldn't let it go. Like yeah. two laps later, and he's still like, no, I was, I should have this. And I just love that they were like, they just got to, some, they just got to get Toto in and be like, George, you just got to calm down. Because the thing was, he was going to make it stick. It was, he was just, he was going to get him. It was yeah. just a matter of when. But if he kept racing angry like that, he, it was, he was going to lose the car. 
Yeah, and it's just a bad look, right? Because, mm. you know, as much as you're a driver who's out there to drive the car as best as you can, you also have to keep in mind that you need to make the team look good and the sponsors look good yep. and all this kind of stuff. Yep. Again, a big yep. reason why I think Ferrari are constantly like, whenever there's a problem, they always have to like remind Charles whatever, like, don't say anything bad about the team, right? Like, you know that that's the kind of thing. And, you know, that's why Toto's jumping on like, hey, shut up, drive, right? Like, just, yeah. just, just... It's like if there's a problem, we can deal with it later. But right yes. now, just do the work because yeah. if if it works out that you were wrong, well, now what? We're in fourth. Exactly. Right? Exactly. If we look at the standings now, George is now one point behind Carlos Sainz for fourth. That's in the driver's standings. Unbelievable. Like I. So like this is you just lock the points away. Just lock the points away. Just forget yeah. it and keep pushing. And, oh, I can't believe I said that. <laughs> I have this whole thing about everyone saying push all the time in, in Formula 1. Just keep mad. pushing. Well, it's like push, push. Like, well, like I wasn't. Like, I wasn't. <laughs> but uh, what I mean is keep putting the work in, right? Because yeah. this, is, this is what I keep coming back to about my team here is that they, if they, they have reliability and they don't have cars exploding so far. They're not on their fourth power units in some of their cars. Like, yeah, absolutely. And and that is what is making... I mean, at the moment, uh, they are 34 points behind Ferrari in the constructors too. That's wild. I, I, so that's it's that's, that gap is shrinking, shrinking, shrinking all the time. Yeah, yeah. It's just... <sighs> there's so much going on obviously a tremendous result for mercedes especially because they thought that they were going to be incredible at this track and through like quality and practices that they looked bad right like they were almost mm -hmm. more off the pace than normal but the race came to them i think both lewis and george i think more so lewis like george was a little punchy but fair enough i think they yep. both ran a pretty solid race and lewis certainly the circumstances yeah, yeah lewis just did great right and you know mm -hmm. you heard him after the race talking about his drinks bottle wasn't working and laying down in the cool down room i mean you gotta feel <laughs> for these guys let's just just like losing kilos of just body yeah. weight in like an yeah. hour or whatever uh, but it was a good race, and I think certainly the best possible result for Mercedes. It looked like for maybe a split second that Lewis might be able to challenge Max, and maybe Max was going to fall off, but Max had it. I mean, once Charles was out of the equation, Max basically was on yeah. autopilot. Like, Outside which, of a problem, it was gonna. It was Max's race, which absolutely. is why we didn't see anything of Max for a good 20 minutes. Yeah, he was just up but road doing this thing. Again, we were talking about this on our last episode, saying it was, it was only 10 seconds ahead. Like it wasn't the 20, 30 seconds that we'd seen in previous. Right. I'm, not, I'm not talking about like it being like, oh, Lewis was on him, but just the difference between these cars and the previous cars is like in previous years, that would give you a 25, 30 second gap between first and second, that kind of thing yeah. um, is what we were typically used to seeing. And, and now I can't recall a time this season where we've seen something like that between first and second, which I just think is, is more interesting. It's certainly more competitive. I will say I think Max was probably just driving to whatever pace he felt like because well, he didn't sure. really like he could have gone faster if he needed to. He was just conserving his tires, making sure they made it to the end. But I just look if we don't come back to this track, I'm okay with that. This was just I, I think, like it. I can't I, help. It. I like it. I think this was my least favorite race of the year. It just was messy. It was a lot. Like there were no great. Like what's the best moment of this race? Can you name one great moment in this race? Like, well, okay. I mean, great moment. I don't have a great moment, but like the the most interesting thing that happened was Charles coming off because it just opened up the race to, to a different I, possibility. I, I didn't want it to happen, but it happened. I guess I can't call someone making a mistake and crashing out of the lead of a race well, right. a great moment. Like to me, like what do you remember from Monaco? 
I'm nothing. Well, because Monaco's always a bad race. <laughs> Monaco is a snooze fest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is more exciting for me than Monaco. Uh, sure. But at least Monaco, there's the danger of the track and the history. And really, Monaco, you just go to watch qualifying and the race is just kind of hey, a look, procession. Those red and blue lines are dangerous, man. You know, you, they could, caught- like, you could rumble a little bit. You know, like shake something loose. Oof, you might have to salute out. the American flag as you drive by. It's very dangerous. Mm-hmm. Very, very Favorite dangerous. back marker of the race? Oh, okay. Um, okay, so for me, and I'm going to give this just like, uh, it's not back marker, it's back marker. Pierre. Pierre had a hmm. horrible qualifying for some reason. They've got an upgraded car this week. But he had a pretty solid race. It's obviously his home race. He did fine. Uh, but I give it to him almost as kind of like a uh, default because, I mean, yeah, I could say maybe Alex did all right. But it just, again, uh, not my favorite race. And there were not a lot of standout performances really anywhere, especially when it comes to the back markers. Uh, I'm giving it to Zhou Guan Yu because he pushed his car off the track. I just like it when you see Oh, did he actually push like, that? Yeah. He was involved, you know. He was like getting in with the stewards, pushing the car off the track. You know, I just like seeing him get involved, you know. Man, you can't. There, there really wasn't. There was no <laughs> yeah, back yeah, markers yeah. of this you race. You know it's a bad also, race. <laughs> everyone between 15 and 10, there was kind of nothing going on until yeah. the two Aston Martins decided they wanted to murder each other on the final corner. Like, there wasn't really much going on there. But at the time, I was like, oh, look at him. He's pushing the car. You know, I kind of like it. It's like, he's just getting involved. Yeah. Getting stuck in, you know? I mean, look, obviously it was early in the race. I do kind of feel for Yuki. Yuki had a really solid qualifying. That was rough. And, yeah. I mean, obviously that was not his fault, right? Like, sort of like, knock nope. on. I mean, first lap, everyone's racing and stuff. I mean, he just got spun out and everything. But, yeah. <sighs> How about underperform of the race? Because uh, my, my... You go ahead first. You go ahead first. I, I, <laughs> I'm going to say... Sergio Perez. Oh, actually... Yes. Yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah. Sergio should not have been in that position. The, the whole weekend he was off the pace. Even Red Bull was saying it. He wasn't on Max's pace. There didn't seem to be a reason. There was nothing wrong with a car that anyone was talking about. Yeah. For whatever reason, Sergio was not on it this weekend. He should not have been put in a position where he was that far behind Lewis Hamilton. He should have been ahead of Lewis Hamilton. There's no reason why he shouldn't have been. And he couldn't. I don't think he got near Lewis for the entire race. No. And then he ended up losing out to George. When that car's... Uh, uh, straight line speed is just so much more aggressive than the Mercedes George just got his elbows out and kept him off like this was a bad race for Sergio I don't know like I mean obviously Checo was doing a tremendous job at the beginning of the race right he was doing so so well or sorry in the beginning of the season but yeah it's just lately like he's not been on the pace you start seeing him kind of talking about how like Red Bull car development is kind of moving away from him and back toward Max and mm-hmm. it's just it's weird like it, obviously there's a lot of psychology that comes into you know what it takes to be sort of like get that last you know two three percent which makes all the difference but it's not looking good for Checo right now. Like, I don't know. I just, this was a I race. Don't know. That- I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far. I mean, I would say this wasn't his race, but yeah. he's been pretty decent in some previous races and he's only seven points behind Charles Leclerc. He, no, he's there. certainly doing fine, but I don't think he's yeah. doing great. I, I, I'm just starting to see some cracks forming that like, there was like on- the middle of the season, the middle of what we've seen so far. Yeah. And it was like, Oh my God, he might win it. Right, like yeah. we were asked, asked having that question, and that isn't a question anymore. No. So I will give you that. Right, like it was like, well, it's going to be either Sergio or Max, and now it's it's only just going to be Max. Right, like I don't. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I'm going to just say my underperformer, though. While I think that is actually an excellent, correct answer, I'm just going to give it to the team, the Scuderia Ferrari team, for mm-hmm. just bro, like what. <laughs> 
it just felt like it was just so messy. Like, I don't know. Obviously, Charles' thing, I don't think was Ferrari's fault. I don't think so. But that pit stop was horrendous, right? Like, that mm-hmm. that was so bad. And their indecision just made them look like complete fools. And, man, that's just like... You can't do that. If you're trying to challenge for a championship, you can't be making mistakes like Charles did. You can't be letting your drivers down like they did with Carlos. Like Red Bull, all they needed to do was just do okay in this race, and that's exactly what they did. Max just did his job. The team did their job, and they got maximum points. Ferrari were just tripping over themselves, left, right, and center, across the entire team, drivers, and actual team. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> what was your favorite thing of the race? <laughs> we don't have to come back anymore. <laughs> I just thought it was bad. It was bad. Like I just, mm-hmm. obviously maybe I'm a little bit grumpier when I wake up super early in the morning and fall asleep, almost watching a race that was boring. But yeah. like, it just, this reminded me of the old school races that these sort of new regulations were meant to sort of stamp out. And I just don't think the track was that great, but also just, it just was messy. I just keep saying the mm-hmm. word messy. Cause that's what the whole thing felt like. Did you have a personal favorite, Mike? Was there anything good in this race that you can salvage? Was there any Do you need me to say of hope? I think you need. Do you to need say me it. to say it? I think you need to say it. Double podium for my boys, man. <laughs> I mean, come on. Second and third. You know the old two-three that everyone's looking for. Everyone wants the old two-three. We got that this week. That's pretty good points. It's pretty good points. It's, pretty, it's fantastic points. I mean, that's the best. That is the actual best possible result that could be looked for for any race that Mercedes is in right yep. now. Yep. Um, and uh, an absolute bag of points. Great for both Lewis and George. Um, great to see George get on the podium after having a real tough out in last time. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm very, 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 very happy with the way that that race went for Mercedes, obviously. Uh, yeah. But I think it's a good result for them. And, and as I've said before, I think it it is a real good testament for what that team is right now, which is they are not winning races, but they are finishing them. Like, that's what they do. And well, that's actually a great point. Like, really, if you kind of sum up Mercedes' season slow but finishing is better than fast but horrible mistakes and explosions all the time right like, that's really kind we, of we are looking right now i mean we're only half, we're about we're approaching halfway right um and right i think because we're about this, to take the summer break may have actually been half uh we're I pretty close is to half halfway, or maybe last summer break half, something in like my that, mind yeah. the summer break is halfway but it's not which I, I feel like it should be halfway I, if they're going to take a break, but they don't do it that don't way. Don't quote me on this, but I think this was the beginning of the second half. I think this was okay. last race was the halfway point. I believe because yeah, this is race twelve and there's twenty three. So yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Um, but you know, as we are now halfway through the season, we are looking at the possibility of Mercedes overtaking Ferrari in the constructors. <laughs> that's so sad. That's like right? that's not and, okay. <laughs> and this is because Ferrari are struggling to get both cars past the finish line. Yeah. yeah. For whatever the reasons are. I mean, that has been something we have been talking about for the entire season. And, you know, it was mentioned, we don't know, but, like, another Ferrari power unit may have gone out today in the Alfa Romeo. Like, yep. we're not sure what happened to Joaquin Yu's car yet. I mean, he did have some contacts, and maybe that was related to it, but... But, he, I mean, his know, car it, was just stopped. Like, it wasn't... Mm-hmm. He didn't, it, just, it, just, it just gave out him on him for some reason mm-hmm. or another. It didn't explode. It didn't explode good. like our buddy Carlos found out last time. Speaking of Carlos, I don't know if we have to really have much of a discussion here. Uh, driver of the day obviously 
Like, Unbelievable mammoth effort he put in today. Absolutely. And he was, it wasn't just even today. It was the whole weekend. He was so, so fast. It sucks that he had to take the penalty here because I feel like, really, especially seeing how the race went, Carlos would have easily won this. I really, really believe oh, yeah. he was not. I think different tire strategy and he could have won it. Like if he would have been able to benefit from free pit stops at the right times or whatever, yeah. and even coming from the back, he could have won it today because he was just taking obscene chunks of time out of everyone. It was kind of incredible to watch today, really. Yeah. I mean, obviously he had that fresh power unit and... Uh, if he didn't have to start from the very back, I think it would have been an easier thing. But the fact that mm. he could have potentially won that race with just a little bit of luck and a little bit of, um, I don't know, what, what's a uh, competency, I think that might be the word, mm. from the team, mm. um, is, I think, a real testament to him, who's, again, just like Checo, had an up-and-down season, right? He's not always been sort of on the pace of Charles, but I think this was a weekend that really showed the Carlos kind of, this is the Carlos science that I think Ferrari really, really were hoping would show up, and he certainly did absolutely his best this week. But, man, that just, yeah, just... Uh, just a, what a weird race. It just felt like it just was a, a weird such a race. Weird race. Yeah. But it was weird, but it has some interesting parts to it. It has some some talking yeah. points that we're going to keep coming back to, which is what is going on at Ferrari? And it's so wild. Like now we are halfway through just to like to reflect on them for a little bit. When we started this season, they were going to win the constructors and Charles yeah. was going to win the championship. Yeah. Like that felt like an absolute no-brainer three races in. And now I, I don't know. I genuinely don't know, but we're halfway through, right? So, so much can still change. Yeah. But as it stands right now, it feels like they are not on top of their problems in the way that some other teams, like uh, we didn't talk about them, but McLaren, vastly better week this week. They yep. finally had their first upgrades to the car uh, in a quite a while. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's improving their pace. You know, we're seeing that happen. And it feels like we spoke about Ferrari got everything right initially. And it's kind of been downhill from there, which is a yeah. shame. I mean, it's almost like you can see Ferrari had a couple of years of sort of being way off the pace. And mm -hmm. even then, obviously, before that, it's been a while since they've really sort of challenged for the championship in a meaningful way. And it's like you can see the difference between, you know, teams like Red Bull, teams like Mercedes, who are battle-tested and really, really sharp in pretty much all aspects. Like, sure, some reliability issues on the Red Bull side, but you can see that these are teams that are working well and everything is, generally speaking, clicking together. And with Ferrari, it's like they've got glimpses of greatness, but they can't pull it together. You know, it's it's there's some some dirt in the machinery. It's just not quite singing the way that it really should. And you can see that while in a lot of ways Ferrari have had one of, if not the fastest car of the season, but they have not been able to pull out the results that they should have. Whereas Mercedes have had, honestly, a really slow car, but terrific reliability, great teamwork, and drivers who are absolutely delivering day in and day mm -hmm. out. And you look at the combination there, and it's like it shows why Formula One is such a team sport. You have to have the drivers absolutely being on point. You also have to have the teams being on point, and you have to build the fast cars that are like reliable. It's like if you don't have all of those things dead on, you just can't challenge. And it's clear that Ferrari, while they have a couple parts of that puzzle, they are not able to put it together. And we're seeing the results of that right now. And we're going to see if they're going to be able to find those puzzle pieces next week as we go to the Hungara Ring. I think I've said that halfway correctly. It's a the Hungarian track. Grand Prix. I love the name. I don't think I could spell it. 
Uh, oh. No, I can't. I'm not even going to try. But I love it. It's a fun <laughs> track. I'm, in, I'm excited about it. And we're going to see it next week. If you want to catch the show live, don't forget we stream as soon as we can after the end of each race. You can go to backmarkers.live and you can find us there. But that's where you'll also find the YouTube videos. Uh, we do these every single time. So in case you want to watch, we, we do that for you. But we also have the audio at backmarkers.fm as well. We are at Backmarkers Live on Twitter. And we'll be back next week with the Hungarian Grand Prix. Until then, say goodbye, Austin Evans. I would say goodbye, but unfortunately my mic is not working because the cool-down room is about to begin. That's only a gag that video listeners are going to get. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> All right, I'm going to cut on my audio. Yeah. <laughs>